Uh, good morning, everyone. My name's Gabe, and I'll be doing the Bible reading today. Uh, John 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent to God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through and though, <laughs> and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you, Gabe, and good morning, everybody. I'm Etienne, and I will uh, lead you through the next part of our, of our service, which we typically call a sermon or a message. Uh, uh, it's a talk, really. Um, and I want to kick today's off by referring to a technique that filmmakers use when they film. Now, I'm not a filmmaker, and I apologise if there are any enthusiasts here who are and who would really get back at me after to tell me how I've stuffed this up. But one of the techniques that filmmakers use when they want to make something look big is a technique called uh, panning out, or, or panning, really. Essentially, when a camera shot starts, and you would have all seen it uh, on TV, in movies or TV shows, you know, on, on something sort of small, zoomed in, and then slowly it kind of gets zoomed out bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until, you know, the, the cinematographer really or the, the, the filmmaker got, got you to get the true size of what they were trying to convey. I want to ask you a question now that I want you to re reflect on just a little bit in your own mind. How big is Jesus Christ to you? If you had to pan out on his life, his importance, the size of the person of Jesus Christ, how far would you pan out to truly capture, if that were possible, the size, the importance of the person of Jesus Christ? You know, I suspect we could probably step through a little bit as we pan out to, to gauge where various people might be. There'd be some people, and we heard that from Welcome to Bethlehem event last year, and I hope that person is there again this year, who would say, look, I don't even know where to point the camera. 
They don't know who Jesus is. Never heard the, never heard the name. Right? Then they might be people who would say, well, yes, I have heard of who Jesus is. He is a man. They would zoom a little bit back and say, he lived. This is a historical figure. Fact of history, a person who was born who lived 2,000 years ago, right? You might pan out a little bit bigger and say, well, he is one of the most influential historical figures who ever lived. You might even say, and this you can all say without being a Christian, although Christians would agree, uh, he is really, his ideas and teachings were the fundamentals of Western society, really. So we'll zoom out a little bit bigger. And then you might hit a point where if you're going to continue to zoom, you're starting to include now typically Christian people. You might zoom a bit further and say, well, um, Jesus is an important example of how to live my life as a Christian. You might say, Jesus was the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary. You might say that Jesus died on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago and his death and his blood spilt was an atonement for my sin, which separated me from God. It was my death that I deserved. Right? Eternally separated from a living relationship with a God who created me. That was what I deserved for my sin, but Christ died in my place so that if I believe it, I'm restored into a living relationship with God. You might zoom out a bit further and say, but Christ was raised from the dead. He didn't just die my death, he was resurrected. And so therefore, if I believe it, I too will be resurrected one day to live eternally, physically, spiritually, in a relationship with God in a new heavens and a new earth. You see, the panning shot's getting fairly big now. But can we go further? Yes, we can. What about this? Christ existed eternally before his birth. The person of Jesus Christ created all things known and unknown. All things, all people exist solely for him. It was he and he alone who decided today that you would wake up and that you would be here. It is he and he alone who will decide when and how you will die. It is he and he alone who will decide when the world and world history will end. It is he and he alone who will decide when the war in Gaza and Israel will end in Ukraine. It was also under his control when it started. Uh, he and he alone will decide everything. It all holds together in this person of Jesus Christ. Would your panning out shot of Jesus Christ reach that far? I want to take you on a brief journey this morning where we unpack that a little bit. I want to show you something about what the Bible wants to teach on this question. I want to tell you something about why it's important, not just important, why it's astonishingly beautiful, why it's good, why we should welcome whatever the Bible teaches on this. And then you might have a couple of questions. 
objections even that I just want to check in on towards the end and then wrap it up. Okay, that's what I want to do. Okay. Come with me. Uh, this question about how big Jesus is was a massive question that Christians had to deal with in the first, ah, uh, right from the get-go. But it wasn't really until 300 years after Jesus that they said, okay, we really need to nail this. We need to figure out who, who this person of Jesus was. How big a deal was he really? And they, long, about 325 years after Jesus came up with a, a statement that represented what they felt all of the Bible had to teach about this. This is a creed called the Nicene Creed. This is a part of the Nicene Creed. It, it, it says this, we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him, all things were made. You see, there's some people in that era who said, no, we don't actually think that Jesus always existed. We actually think that he only began when he was born, at the Christmas, as the Christmas story tells us, right? In other words, God created him. He was created. He was made. And the Nicene Creed says, no, he was never made. <laughs> he always was. He always existed. He was part of what Christians consider God to be three persons in one God, a Father, a Son, a Trinity, and it's sort of, that's another sermon for another day, but Christ is part of that Trinity. Always was. Always was of the same essence as God. He never had a beginning. Right? He had a beginning born as a human, but as a person, as a being, no. Always existed. Always there. And they got that from Bible passages that I now want to read to you. There's lots of Bible. Trust me, there's hundreds. But I just want to read three of them now. And if you're a Christian and you know Jesus, I want you to listen to these as acts of worship. You know, reading the Bible is a powerful thing in such simplicity. Would you receive these as acts of worship of your Lord and your Savior, of who and what he is? If you're not a Christian... Would you just hear them and consider perhaps the extreme extremities of what is laid before you? Ponder its size, and a little bit later we'll get back to, can you believe it? And how do you investigate them? Here are the verses. This is from Colossians. It says, the Son, this is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him 
to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Do you see that panning out there? We talk a lot about purification for sins on the cross, but do we talk about the sustaining of all things? <laughs> Everything holds together by Jesus. Right? Colossians says it. Now Hebrews says it. And then wonderfully, um, in the passage that Gabe read to us as well, in the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And in the beginning is in the beginning of all things. It, it mirrors Genesis 1 verse 1, the first words in the Bible. Jesus was there. Jesus was busy. Jesus was active. Jesus was creating. <laughs> he did it all. <laughs> right? Was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. How big is Jesus. Seems so underwhelming to say it, but Jesus Christ was and is God. Right? That's a simple statement. Jesus was and is God. Fully, entirely, right? When you think of Jesus, can I ask you, is that what you are thinking? Do you think of him as all that? Does your pan, panning out shot of him reach that far or not? Can I suggest to you that it needs to be? And I want to give you a couple of reasons of why this is such a fantastic truth. Right? It's one thing to say, okay, great, Jesus is God, what a great doctrinal statement, but so what? What does that change? What does it change for me? How does it change my life? How does it seek to, 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 to do anything for me? This is now really the reason why we go there, right? Why it's worth reading all these passages to understand all this. Let me tell you, let me tell you what is significant about the fact that Jesus was God. Because do you know what it means? It means that you can know God. You and I can know God. God, fully and entirely and absolutely, right? There's a wonderful place in the New Testament where one of Jesus' disciples, um, and Jesus has been with them for a long time, you know, he's been doing a lot of stuff, they've witnessed a lot of miracles, they've witnessed a lot of fantastic things Jesus did, and, and at some point, you know, one of his disciples, I think Philip it was there, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Jesus, we've seen a lot of stuff that you've done, but, but we feel like we haven't actually seen God yet. <laughs> and Jesus says to him, don't you know me, Philip? 
even after I've been with you for such a long time. And then he says these staggering words, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? (laughs) Jesus Christ, as fully God, coming to humanity means that humanity can know God. God could not reveal himself or make himself more known to us than what he has done in his son. Um, I I was going to sort of illustrate this, but neither of my kids wanted to help me, actually. Um, I think they're already in the point of so embarrassing to (laughs) come up and help. But, you know, if I can... Are there any parents or kids who would... Kids, does anyone want to help me here? Yeah, you... All right, but your parent has to come too. (laughs) Great, yeah Coming up Josh It's Josh isn't it Yeah why not David can come too and Claire Oh and Nate, why don't everybody come, yes You can all join Okay let's, let's work with an illustration of how wonderful This thing about God coming to us In a child is, I'm going to work with Josh Right, even though you guys are welcome Let's pretend That God said to Claire, I'm going to give you a child, Josh, but he's never actually going to be born. (laughs) Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give someone else a vision, special knowledge. Et, he's a very wise prophet (laughs) who gets a lot of special messages from God as he's clearly attested by the wonderful things he does. And he is going to say... To Claire, you have a child. His name is Josh. And he is a wonderfully beautiful boy with blonde hair and a a smile. And he's so kind. He looks after his brothers. He does all his homework. And his sister, he does all his homework on time. What else can I tell you? I I don't know that much about Josh. But let's pretend I know him really well. And the only way you would know Josh is through what I tell you about Josh. You never get to see Josh. He's never born, never comes to you. You know, that's what most world religions do in terms of how they would portray to you how you could know God. What does, what does the Christian God do? He says, no. I'll come to you. Okay, you go to mommy. You give her a hug. Yeah, right, right, right. That's the illustration. That's what I think. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to come to you that you would see me, know me, feel me, hear me, smell me, walk with me. I, here I am. Right? It's remarkable that we could say as humanity that we can know God. This child comes to us as a child, as one of us, but yet we've just established he is not one of us at all. (laughs) This is the hands that created the universe. Right? That we can know. (laughs) It's beyond comprehension and fashioning it, yet that's the, that's the wonderful truth of Christmas. Thanks, you guys can sit down. Um, we, can, we can know God as, as one of us. And then I just want to take another step further from that. It's not just that we as a humanity in general can know him by our knowledge of him, but I want to I I take you to another place in the Bible, and I can take you to a number of places in the Bible on this point, right? But this is just a good example of it. Um, let me read it to you. It's a guy called Peter, he, he, he writes this, he said, His divine power has given us everything we need, this is God, for a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, right? 
Through these God's promises in Christ, he has given us great and precious promises so that through them, here's the key bit, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Can I say that again? You, think this through, may participate in the divine nature. When you come to Christ, you are joined with God. You don't become God, but you're not what you were. You become something new. This is called uh, the, the, the mystery of the union of Christ. As a child of God, you are connected to Him. Right? Christ is God and you are in Christ. God comes to you and He lives in you. He fills you with His Spirit. You, just, you don't just know God by what you know of Him and what we historically read about Jesus. You experience Him because you are part of Him. You know Him. Why? Because this God, man who created everything, came to us so that we may know of him, about him. But more than that, you are joined into him. Peter goes as far as to say, you participate in the divine nature. There's something of God in you. It's, it's, it's a mystery to us, but it's true. right? The vine and the branches talks about this. You join into that plant. And that's what it, why rather, it's astounding and astonishingly significant. Because Jesus Christ was God, and you're in Him. You may know God fully. <laughs> there is nothing in your life, probably, as weighty or important or as far reaching, as far as panning out, than this, right? All right, that's the second of three points. Let me go for the third and then we finish. The last point before I wrap up, you, you might say, well, okay, let's, let's, let's just deal with the objections. That's great for Philip and all the other disciples who saw Jesus, who could, like Claire can touch and hug Josh. They could do that with Jesus. I can't. I haven't seen him. In fact, you know, there's a guy in the Bible called Thomas who had that very thing after Jesus' resurrection. He didn't see him for the first few times. He said, I won't believe it until I can... See him, feel him, touch him, right? And Jesus goes to him and he says, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side where the, where the spear pierced me, stop doubting and believe. And then Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Many of us are like Thomas. But then Jesus says something staggering to him. He says, because you, Thomas, have seen me, you've believed, but blessed, blessed are those who have not seen me. And yet they have believed. Right? The truth is that God's intention and desire for humanity has always been faith. That we would believe him. That we would trust that he was who he said he was. Out of 6,000 years of known, roughly odd, let's round it off, human history, only three have we had the Son of God dwell with us on earth. Yet the 5,997 people before him and after him, God says, blessed are you 
full, happy, fulfilled, joined into the divine nature are you if you choose to believe this. It's not how, it, it doesn't work scientifically or evidence-based, right? It's always going to come down to a choice of faith. This is what God wants of us. Always has, always will be. The blessed are those who believe. But, even so, God does not leave us with nothing. Here it is. John writes it there. It's right after this encounter with Thomas. Jesus performed many other signs and presence in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. That's the Gospel of John. John, sorry. But these are written that you may believe. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. We don't have Jesus, but we've got the witness and the testimony. It's powerful. It is, I would say, extensive. And I would encourage you, if you haven't, to investigate it. If you have a Christian in your life who you know and trust, approach them, ask them. Ask me. Ask anybody in your church to read the Bible with you, to consider with you what do we have. It will not argue you into the kingdom, but it might at least bring you to the point where you see that while you're called to have faith, your faith is not called to be entirely blind. It's highly informed. It's highly robust. It's steeped in history and truth. But finally, we've got something else. We've got the Spirit of God. You see, none of us will pan out our camera as far as we should. And yet God gives us a gift. He says, let me take it. This is my job, Holy Spirit says. Let me take the camera of your heart and let me zoom it for you out and out and out and out. If we would come and say, Lord, will you expand me? Let me see you and know you humbly through faith by the power of your Spirit. He will do it. He will help us. He will let us see him. Let me wrap up. Today is the first installment of a short mini-series that Jess helpfully put us onto. We're calling it Extraordinary. Extraordinary Christmas, I should say. Looking at Jesus, saying today we look at the extra part of him. His bigness, his largeness. Next week we look at his is ordinariness. He's a human. <laughs> that has its own set of hugely significant implications for our life, right? That's next week. Week three, um, how can he be both? And why did he have to be both? Good luck, Ryan. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Ryan's job on... on <laughs> no, we're... we're, we're it's, 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 it's a really important question. Why both, right? It's... it's the brilliance of God in all that. So we're going to look at that and then Christmas Day. That's what we're going to do for today. Here it is. Simple, short. Jesus is God. It means you can know God fully. Believe it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we proclaim, at least for those of us who, whom you've helped to see it in your grace and mercy, that you are God. And we thank you that you came. We thank you that we can know you. 
not just about you, but you yourself. In full power, in full glory. Would you increase our knowledge of you by experience of your power at work in us as we grow in prayer, as we grow in bearing fruit, as we grow in joy, as we grow in repentance, as we grow in love? Increase our knowledge of you, we pray, Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray for faith. I pray that we would believe it. I pray for the person here today for the first time who's here because you decided that they would be here and hear this, and they're prepared. Lord, would you grant them faith? May today be the day where they say yes. I choose to believe it. Father, would you move otherwise the person who says, I need to find out more. Let that brother, let that sister find out more. Lead him, lead her to a full knowledge of you, our Lord and our God. In whose name we pray, amen. Thanks, music team.